Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, we're going to do that right here. If you need a tune-up, stick around. If you need a major overhaul, hey, maybe you just need your radiator flushed. Well, we can use all those kind of car analogies here, but stick with us. we got some great questions to unpack today as usual. Hey, our sponsor today is Audible. Audible.com, where you can find over 150,000 book titles in audio form. You guys know I love books. Got some great recommendations for you. You're going to be able to go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days and get a free copy of a book. And I've got a couple great suggestions for you today based on some of the questions we've got. Now, we've got a lot of things going on right now. One of the things we've got going on is the 48 Days Countdown. If you go to 48days.com slash countdown, you'll see that you can get a set of 10 hardback autographed books, access to a unique landing page there for two teleseminars. I'm going to be doing the first one of those October 1st. The next one, guess how many days later? 48, you're right, 48 days later on November 18th to kind of sandwich that process. So if you want to get in on that, your own countdown, you get 10 books for $48. That's a deal for sure. 10 books for $48. Some other goodies in there. We got some surprise goodies in there as well. For those of you taking the initiative to get that, then you can share with 90 of your friends, get 90 of your family members together, coworkers, whatever you want, have fun with this process that we're going to walk through. So check out 48days.com slash countdown. Now I also, well, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, I need to talk about the cruise in a little bit, but I'll share that in just a bit, a little bit later here because um, a lot of people are asking about that. We sold out quickly all the rooms we had blocked out. So the price has gone up a little bit, but there's still room. Chris is doing a great job of finding rooms for people to get on there. So I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a second, but here's some of the things that we'll be considering today. And our theme is, are you deeply disagreeable? I heard that phrase recently and I'll tell you where and why that's important. Are you deeply disagreeable? I hope you are incidentally. I hope you are deeply disagreeable. Well, I'll tell you why. Here's some of the questions we'll be looking at. Dan, should I find a career with no sales at all? I'm three years from retirement. Should I change direction now? Is this a dream from God or a selfish fantasy? Dan, the life is draining out of me. Should I stay? Well, deep, profound questions as always. We'll have fun unpacking those together. Every week we spend about 48 minutes here looking at questions, real life questions from you, the listeners, where we learn from those, learn how we can take our lives to higher levels of success together. If you've got a question, you can always shoot it in to ask Dan at 48days.com or you can just click on the 48days.com site, then go to the podcast link and you'll see a little place there. Click on the, the little red starburst there where you can put your question right in there. Or you can also leave an audio version if you want to. Got a couple of those today as well. Now, I just got back from Boston. I went to the inbound conference up there put on by the HubSpot, the company HubSpot. Just a great time with 10,000 other people. 
uh, looking at all these things that have to do with business, but made some great connections, great, got new ideas from lots of people. They had some stellar speakers, including Simon Sinek, Guy Kawasaki, Martha Stewart, who really surprised me. She, she was very endearing. She, frankly, she, she just really surprised me in how modest she was and, and how she just shared from the heart. She said that her attempt has been to elevate homemaking to an art form rather than something just seen as drudgery. And she's done a pretty respectable job of that. And she was there to talk about building a brand. I mean, say what you want. She's done an amazing job of building a massive, massive brand. I mean, even you look at people like Bill Gates and Oprah, I mean, they're, they're big names and carry a lot of weight, but you don't walk into Home Depot, Target and other stores where you see their names everywhere like you do Martha Stewart. So she's been a master at creating a brand. One of the speakers there was Malcolm Gladwell. Now you hear me talk about Malcolm a lot. He's, he's a very insightful, brilliant thinker. His books, Tipping Point, Blink, his latest one you've heard me talk about a lot, David and Goliath. I love that book. And he talked about the characteristics of entrepreneurs. Here are three traits of entrepreneurs. Number one, they're massively open. That means they're incredibly open to new and creative ideas. Number two, they're conscientious. They're capable of following through to complete things. And number three, they're deeply disagreeable. And this is the thing that just absolutely shot me up out of my chair. Deeply disagreeable in the way that he defined it. These are people who can tune out the naysayers. But he says entrepreneurs are people who do not require the social approval of their peers to move forward with their ideas. Now, just think about what that means. How often have you run an idea up the flagpole, but to have family, friends, coworkers, peers say, oh man, you could never do that. You know, that can't be done. Somebody tried that once. It didn't work out. You just need to stay here until your retirement is fully vested. You know, stop with those crazy ideas. Well, that's what he's saying. In that sense, people who really do change the world, leave an impact, make extraordinary income are people who don't require the social approval of their peers to move forward with their ideas. And in that regard, they are deeply disagreeable. Cool thought. Just one of those things just popped up there. Thought, well, that's neat. Well, we'll stick on that for a while. Deeply disagreeable. So I hope you are one of those people who are deeply disagreeable in that sense. Not that you're argumentative or that you're critical, but that you're deeply disagreeable in the sense that you can move forward even when other people are saying, hey, that can't be done. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the cruise coming up because here's the deal. We've talked about it a little bit, not a whole lot, but the Ultimate Advantage Cruise, we're doing one in February of 2015. We leave on the 15th, get back on the 22nd. So we leave the day after Valentine's Day. It's titled The Ultimate Advantage, The Vital Power of Connections. I mean, that's what we're going to be talking about on the cruise. We leave from Fort Lauderdale, go down to San Juan, Puerto Rico, and then on down to St. John, St. Thomas, some of those islands down there. The ports aren't really that significant. You know, they're going to be sunny and warm in, in February, which is going to be cool anyway. But then we, we come back up. But really, the time together is what's significant. So it'll be a time to share together, to get to know new people. We blocked out a number of rooms initially, and those were sold out very quickly. Well, because of that, 
And because we're getting closer to the time, you know, the, the price has gone up a little bit, which is ex- expected. And now we've got people saying, oh my gosh, I wanted to get on that. Why didn't you tell me? Well, I'm telling you again, if you're interested in joining us on the cruise, I mean, not a big deal, but it's, it's an amazing way to connect with people and create lifelong friendships, really get ideas, you know, that can take your success higher and higher. Let me play this little clip that our buddy Chris or Pierce Mars did, and we'll talk about it just a little bit more, and then we'll move into the questions. Are you ready to vacation with purpose? Join Dan and Joanne Miller and a host of great speakers on the Celebrity Silhouette for the Ultimate Advantage Cruise, the purpose and power of vital relationships. The Celebrity Silhouette embarks from Fort Lauderdale on February 15, 2015 for seven days and six nights. We hope to see you there. For all the details, including bonuses, booking information, and how you can cruise for free, go to 48days.com slash ultimate advantage cruise. What better way to kick off 2015 and give yourself the ultimate advantage? It's a beautiful day. Well, there you go. That's all you need. Just go to the, our website, 48days.com. You'll see information about the ultimate advantage cruise. Yeah, people are getting really excited about that. We're going to have a spectacular time. Trust me. Well, let me go into the questions. Craig says, I've been working at home for about six years now, and my employer has decided to pull us back into the office. I've stayed in my current role too long because of the flexibility working from home afforded me, but now is the time for me to change. I'm working through the 48 days process, and I'm rereading No More Mondays at the same time. I was struck by the story you told about Karen. While looking inward through the 48 days process, I believe my calling is to teach at some level, although I always always thought the college professor would be the coolest. I'm sure that I can find a national training organization if I hit Google, and I can also research teaching online at universities, but was curious if you could maybe give me more details on Karen's path and point me in the right direction. Thanks in advance. Thanks for all you do. Sure. Um, Karen, it's Karen Wortman. I mean, Karen is very active on 48days.net, has a group, Grow Your Business, where she talks about the raising organic gardening vegetables and things that she's doing now on animals. She leads that group. So Grow Your Business really refers to gardening things that she's doing now. So she's transitioned out of what she had done originally. When I talked about her in the book, she was leaving a position as an HR director and wanted to transition into doing online teaching, some kind of work. And we very easily positioned her to do that. Now, when I say easily, I mean, people are looking for competent instructors, competent facilitators. When you look at the growth, the explosion of online training out there, it's just everywhere. But at this, that point, that was a few years ago. And what I did was direct her to some of the online training courses that included American Management Association. They're a big one. National Seminars Group, Pageant Thompson, Carlton Advanced Management Institute, Fred Pryor Seminars, Skill Path Seminars. Those were all some of the ones that she put together and very quickly created a full-time position for her where she could facilitate those training programs. Those tend to be like one-day training programs, but then she was also doing online instruction as well where she could work from home. She could be there in her jeans and cowboy boots, but still have online office hours for students that were enrolled. So when you look at the growth of, of classes, whether that's through Kaplan 
or University of Phoenix. And at this point, I mean, any reputable university has online classes. So you, you're, if you, in fact, do have the credentials to be a professor or an instructor, then certainly any of those are possibilities. And yeah, that's a very legitimate way to transition out of what you're doing now where you maintain the flexibility of working from home as you are. So check some of those out, present yourself just as you would in any other kind of a job search, and you'll find opportunities there. Now, this is a very lengthy question, and then I'll, I'll, I'll modify the name. Let, let's call this guy Phil. Phil said he's looking for some guidance on how to deal with his current career change. Stressful, needs to get some resolution. He said he had a sleepless night, and he wrote down the situation, and he wrote me a, a very, very lengthy letter. I'm going to give a, a synopsis of it, read you a little bit of it. But he's spent the last 10 years in the banking industry. Wanted a new opportunity, explored that. He got a new position. So let me kind of pick up the pieces there. I started that. Now, this is a really critical kind of positioning. I want you all to hear this. I'm going to talk directly to Phil in his situation, but I want you to hear the juxtaposition that he presents here because it's true for many, many of you. He says, I started this new job a month ago. Right away, I could see that the job was really up to me to create, expand, and grow. I have no oversight. The first day I had lunch with the CEO. We discussed his thoughts and the direction of my role very loosely. In fact, he stated that he did not have much in the way of expectations. Just do what I thought was best. The employees were very glad to see me and that they could now hand off or, or go to, to or go to me for more information on certain products. The job is very different from the previous job in which my day was laid out, micromanaged, goal-oriented, task-heavy. In this new role, I work directly from ground zero in products and services, seeking out my own information, guidance, and execution. It's great to see how banking products and services are being offered and executed, a part that I was not involved in at my previous role. In addition, I can help steer the direction and development of the products the bank has to offer. On the other hand, well, let's see, let me, let me jump down here a little bit. They really don't have a training program nor a mentor for me. I'm just out on my own. Here I am. One month into my new position, I should feel ecstatic about my new opportunity, right? I'm going after skill development, advancing my career with a reputable company. I have no expectations, goals, or oversight. So why am I so stressed in my decision? Believe it or not, I'm stressed over several things. First, the lack of structure. Coming from a corporate bank in which everything was defined, micromanaged, dictated to, sales-oriented, etc., the new loose format is really hard to be okay with. I keep on feeling I should be achieving something tangible on a daily basis. Unless I speak to my manager, we usually don't even interact. Second, the lack of direction is unnerving to me. What should I be working on? I ask both my manager and my CEO. They say to do what I think. Maybe go out and see some businesses. Third, the team is different than before. In my previous job, I worked hard to develop a team that talked to each other worked cohesively and achieved success. In this role, I feel like I'm the one who has to create team conversation. Finally, looking at the road ahead, I can see that us four commercial lenders will be stepping on each other's toes when seeking out potential new customers. This area is probably the biggest stressor for me. I fear the competitive battle ensuing and constantly measuring up to others. I've talked with my CEO about my concerns and he understands. He just states to not worry or stress about it. It's a different organization and culture that will take time to get used to. So here I am one month in and stressed out over my decision. Did I make the right one? 
Can I be successful and happy with this role given all the issues? I've thought about going back to my old job. They've not filled it yet. Nothing has changed. Would they, would they be, would they welcome me back? Should I just stick with this job working on developing my skill sets for success in current role, other positions? Should I change careers with no sales at all? This event has caused a lot of stress in my life. I can see that it has clearly absorbed all my attention. It's difficult to focus on my life outside of work. It's affected me physically through several sleepless nights, eating issues, etc. Finally, last week, I sought the help of my doctor to help battle this stress. I can't believe what was a career advancement job change has impacted me so much. I need to get these feelings behind me. Can you give me your thoughts or opinions on my situation? I appreciate it and look forward to your insights. Thank you, Phil. Bill, wow. Uh, thanks for your, your lengthy overview there. We're going to give a synopsis here. You present a clear choice. Do you want to be a leader or a follower? Now, I, I present that, and I'm not really presenting that as a right or wrong, good or bad choice. You just need to be clear about what you're choosing. If you want structure, lists to follow, lack of competition, no pressure of sales, then you can find that position. It's called Walmart. And it pays 10 bucks an hour. Now, see, you, you started out, you said right away, I could see that this job was really up to me to create, expand and grow. I have no oversight. Wow. If you don't accept that opportunity, then you're definitely in the wrong position. With your current mindset and the talking you're now doing with your manager, I'm a hundred percent confident you won't be in this position six months from now. You're already sabotaging any hope of success here, but you can also choose to rise to the opportunity you've been given to be someone who's self-directed and motivated, someone who shares with enthusiasm the product he's offering and someone who blows a ceiling off any income ceiling that there is. I mean, that those are the choices. It seems pretty clear. If you want structure, a to-do list, things that you do, you, you push yourself down, 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 down the socioeconomic scale. Nothing wrong with that, but just realize where you're going in that direction. If you want to be somebody who is seen as being a problem solver, someone who can think, someone who's innovative, creative, you've got the opportunity laid right in your hand here. Now, let's also address this issue of sales. Should you find a position that doesn't require sales? According to the U.S., now I pulled this from a book that I'm going to recommend to you. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, one in nine Americans works in sales. Every day, more than 15 million people earn their keep by persuading someone else to make a purchase. But dig deeper and a startling truth emerges. Yes, one in nine Americans works in sales, but so do the other eight. Whether we're employees pitching colleagues on a new idea, entrepreneurs enticing funders to invest, or parents and teachers cajoling children to study, we spend our days trying to move others. Like it or not, we're all in sales now. And that comes from Daniel Pink's wonderful book, To Sell is Human, The Surprising Truth About Moving Others. Listen to an interview with him this morning on the Entree Leadership Podcast out at Abe Ramsey's office at Ken Coleman Host. They interviewed Dan Pink, and it reminded me of what he talks about in To Sell is Human. But he, he says, we all are selling. You can't escape it. So your only concern, your only response is, how are you going to 
address that opportunity. How are you going to sell? Are you going to develop and do it really, really well? Or are you going to shrink to the bottom and try to avoid it and thus push yourself down that socioeconomic ladder? Now, again, I told you today, our sponsor today is audible.com and you can get a free copy of that to sell is human, a free audio copy of that. If you're not yet a member of audible.com, just go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days. It'll take you right to the site. You can log in, boom, get that, get a copy of To Sell as Human by Daniel Pink. Phil, when I look at your questions here, I mean, I, and I know it may seem like I'm kind of harsh, but boy, to me, you know, you've got an amazing opportunity that you've just walked into. You're going to regret if you turn your back on that and go back to the kind of environment that you say that you want. Can you do that? Yes. But I have to believe that ultimately you're going to regret that opportunity. Will this stretch you, challenge you, change you? Absolutely. And those things are going to take you to new opportunities that you're going to wonder why you didn't make the move prior to that. Get that book. Now, the other book that I want you to get, and again, you can go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days and get this one as well. And it is Dave Ramsey's latest book on entree leadership, how to make yourself a leader. And this does not mean, I mean, leading today does not mean carrying a big stick where you walk around and whack people on the hands when they do something wrong. That's not leadership. Matter of fact, there's another book that I can recommend and it's one from Simon Sinek who I just met in Boston, but his new book is leaders eat last. And he unpacks the idea of what a true leader is. It's not somebody who bullies everybody under them. It's somebody who is concerned about those who work for them. You develop leadership skills. You're going to have an amazing value in the workplace, but you're going to find that it's a good fit. I mean, you're going to find that you enjoy the process of leading, of managing others, of creating influence, of persuading people to engage in the product or service that you have to share with them. Those are not manipulative, conning kind of characteristics at all. Those old days of selling are over. You know, we envision the old blue suede shoe used car salesman. Those days are over. I mean, it used to be, it used to be, this is another kind of tangent point here, but it used to be that there was a real disparity and asymmetry, if you will, about the buyer and the uh, the seller where if you went in to buy a car as an example so if you go in and you're looking at toyotas geez the salesman knew about toyotas you knew nothing you just came in because you wanted a red car well that's not likely the case anymore there's a parity meaning that sales the sales man or woman and the purchaser are likely to know equally about the product i mean now you can research so you know everything there is to know about that Toyota, about the Camry, about what dealer cost in it, uh, what the reliability is on it, what the warranty is on it, what kind of mileage it's going to get. I mean, you can go in where you theoretically, I'm confident a lot of times the purchaser knows more than the salesman knows about the car itself. That's a different kind of sales process. So it's not like they're going to trick you into something because you're ignorant about it. No, you know about it. Well, expect your customers, whatever it is that you're selling. And if you're selling commercial lending, as Phil is talking about here, then certainly you can expect them to come into the process knowing a lot about that. I'm in the process of negotiating 
a, a financing package right now. And I've had, I've enjoyed the process because I understand it. I know about it. It's very easy to get the inf- information on that. I've talked to a couple different banks. I've made my decision uh, who I'm going to work with on it. Uh, the terms right now are just are hard to believe. I mean, the interest rates are so extremely low. You can be so creative in how you put packages together these days. It, it's just amazing. But uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, you don't have to uh, think that I'm going to come into the process without any knowledge about that. So we talk as peers about it. But see the opportunity as such. And if you get a couple of those books to sell as human, entree leadership, leaders eat last, you can make yourself the kind of leader that this opportunity is affording you. Well, I went kind of long on that one. Okay, James says, Dan, I'm in a pickle. I'm at a computer, I'm a computer programmer developer and work for the state have for over 20 years. I'm due to retire in three years, but really feel that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I think I've always felt that in my 20 plus years, but my late dad's advice always kept me working for the state. He worked for the state and it was very good for our family. I'm 49 right now and on track to retire at 53. I have an annuity that is due to pay me $3,500 a month for the rest of my life when I retire. I have a daughter who's 14 and a wife and make decent money, but feel that I'm really designed for more. I recently began teaching tennis lessons and beginner and started a beginner's class for WordPress creation of websites and have discovered that I really enjoy helping people. I believe that my passion is helping teaching people. My problem is that my real job is interfering with this newfound passion. What should I do? I have so many ideas about how to expand, just not enough time. Recently listened to your interview with Andy Traub and it really fired me up, probably too much so. Anyway, thanks for all you do. I've purchased 48 days and a couple other products. Maybe I should get, maybe I should reread those. He says, okay, James, this is a very good pickle that you're in. Incidentally, you say that you're in a pickle, but I don't see any negative downside of this at all. You're in a position where you've been for over 20 years. You're due to retire in three years. You're only 49 years old now. And if you stay there and retire when you're 52, you've got an annuity that's going to pay you $3,500 a month. I mean, what a great position. I could just hear some of our other listeners just um, wringing their hands, moaning, wishing they were in the pickle that you're in, that you describe yourself in. Here's what I would do. Now, you didn't give a lot of the details. I'm not sure if the annuity is really effective. We're going to assume that it's fully vested, that somehow you need to be at your retirement age, those other three years for it to be fully funded. So we're going to go with that. You're probably going to hear be surprised to hear me say this. I'm going to say, stay exactly where you are. Stay where you are. You're in a job. Obviously you're respected there, paid well there. You know, the ropes, there's not a big learning curve. Three years is going to go by in a blink of an eye. Use the three years to develop exactly what you're talking about. You said you just started teaching tennis lessons, started a beginner's class in WordPress creation of websites, discovered some new things you're exploring. Use those three years. We're talking about 36 months. Just start your countdown Use that time to develop those things on the sidelines. So when you do retire, you come out fully up and running in something else that you want to do. Now you're going to be in a position where you're not going to have your income drop to zero, which is a fortunate position to be in anyway. But I just say, stay where you are. Don't rock the boat. Don't risk shaking that annuity, you know, being fully funded. Absolutely. I mean, at, at this stage, you know, to, to just put in another three years and then get out when you're only 52 years old. My gosh, I mean, I tell, I tell guys a lot, 
do whatever you want to for the first 50 years of your life. You know, I don't care. There's not much you could do that I would consider a mistake. If we can, at that point, sit down, take a fresh look at how God has really gifted you, we can put together a plan and you can go into the most productive 20 years of your life. You're right on track to do that. Just take a deep breath. Keep doing great work where you are. The three years, again, is going to pass in the blink of an eye. At that point, come out with three more years of knowledge and preparation for the other kind of things that you could do. That's exactly what I would do, James. Great question. Thanks for sending that in. Scott says, I've been listening to your show for years. I'm grateful for what you do. Sometimes I hear questions from people who say they don't have the time to pursue the job of their dreams because they're too busy working 12 hours a day plus working weekends and are just too tired when they get home to work on anything else. I don't understand why people accept this as the way it has to be and feel quitting is the only way out. When they were hired, wasn't the deal 40 hours per week with their employer? Instead of quitting, can't they just go back to that 40 hours a week arrangement? Or over time, reduce 100 to 90 and then to 80, then to 70, take control back of their time? Surely you can't be fired for doing your absolute best for the agreed upon time per week. The cure to the 100-hour work week is to stop working for free, and that may force the employer to hire more people or redefine what is important for you to do. All the best, Scott. Well, Scott, yeah, you've kind of you've kind of scratched on the surface here for a couple issues that go a little deeper than this. When somebody is working 80 hours a week, it may be that they're getting overtime or time and a half, and that really is a critical part of just making them a workable income for them. So cutting back hours would be a direct reduction in what they do. What you're referring to is that oftentimes people are in a salaried position where they're paid the same regardless of the time they put in, and they just allow more and more work to be piled on. Now, this has to do with a couple of things, one of those being personality style. People who are high S, you hear me talk about the personality styles, D, I, S, and C. People who are high S are people who are very compassionate, nurturing, loving, gentle, gracious, loyal, brave, and true. Those kind of people tend to just allow more and more and more to be piled on them. They're the people that you want on your team. They're the people you want on committees at church because they never say no. They just somehow take it on their shoulders anyway, even if they're super busy already. So, be careful if you're that kind of personality that you don't allow your work to just expand. I had a, a client several years ago now. He was a high-level account rep at one of the TV stations here. And he had done exactly what I just described. He had allowed more and more and more to be put on his plate. They wanted him at every grand opening. They wanted him at every major story. You know, they wanted him early morning, late at night, and he just had said yes to everything. And he had an unbelievable schedule that he was in at that particular time and came to me wanting to quit his job and find a new position. Well, we looked at his position. There were a lot of good reasons for him having been there, having been given the opportunity and responsibility that he had. It fit him in many ways. He had just allowed the, the scope of responsibilities to get out of, out of sight with him. So I had him do exactly what you're describing here. Went back to his boss and said, look, I love this job. I love the position. I love the team. I'll be in part of what's going on here, but I need to work 40 hours a week. No more than that. And his boss is like, well, sure. You know, I wondered when you were going to say uncle. (laughs) And so my client was amazed at the response. They embraced it totally in the process of getting his life back. 
he started again working in his church bookstore, which he really loved. He started playing the cello, which he loved. He started spending more time with his wife and son, which obviously a lot. They were going to ball games together. He had been a serious semi-pro bike racer prior to all this over overtaking his life. He got back into that. So he got all these things, these wonderful things of balance and fulfillment and enjoyment back in his life and kept the same job. So yeah, can it be done? Yes. Probably not as easy as what we're kind of laying out here, but certainly it can be done. And a lot of times it is the reasonable thing to do for sure. Well, Karen says, Dan, I could relate to that John Lennon song you spoke of last week and think doing a whole podcast about it is a good idea. My question for now is the Bible clearly states that a person who chases fantasies has no sense. How do you know if your dreams are from God? or just your own lack of sense, especially when your progress toward that dream seems to be taking a long time. Now I kind of collect my thoughts on that. Here's the song Karen was talking about. It's one that I, I think I did it in a Tuesday night brainstorming session that we did where we know that a lot of times people get criticism for doing what they're doing. This is the old John Lennon song. People say I'm crazy. It really relates to our, theme quotation for today as well. If you're deeply disagreeable, you're going to be hearing some stuff like this for sure. People say I'm crazy Doing what I from ruin When I say that I'm okay Well they look at me kind of strange Surely you're not happy now You no longer play the game Well hey you get the gist of it there People say I'm lazy Dreaming my life Dreaming my life away Well, great setup for Karen's question here. What Karen is asking again is the Bible clearly states that a person who chases fantasies has no sense. So how do you know if your dreams are from God or just your own lack of sense, especially when your progress toward that dream seems to be taking a long time? Now, yeah, the Bible does talk about that. I mean, in Proverbs 12, 11, it says those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Similar thought again in Proverbs 28, 19, it says those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. Now what it's talking about there, Karen, these verses are contrasting hard work with get rich quick schemes. There's a whole lot of those out there that are fantasies and we could bring it down even more than that. Somebody says, Oh gee, I know somebody who's making, you know, $10,000 a month in this hot new multi-level marketing thing, I'm going to jump in that. It may be a fantasy. If there's not a clear plan and a good fit for that person, yeah, that's a fantasy. But I also encounter a lot of other people who are doing things, especially online, not as possible anymore because 
The online world is so transparent and you establish a history and a reputation so quickly that if you're a schemer or scammer, it's not going to last very long. And some people who have fantasies about making big bucks get into something and very quickly they're going to burn out. I, I knew a guy one time, it's embarrassing to even acknowledge acquaintance with such a guy, a guy who sold a roach killer online guaranteed to kill roaches. You know what people got on the mail? Two little pieces of wood, two boards with the instructions, put the roach on this board and hit it with the other board. That was his idea. Now, hopefully it was seen as hilarious and a gimmick, but I'm not sure that he really presented it in that way. But there, there are things out there that are certainly just worthless fantasies. Fantasy by definition is something that's highly unlikely. But when we talk about, you know, is this just a dream of my own or is, is it a fantasy? I mean, there's a difference between a dream, something that really is birthed in your heart, something that you really want to accomplish where you create a careful plan of action. I just talked to a lady just a few minutes ago here who just did her first babysitting training class. It was like a week long. She had 16 young ladies in there. She'd been working on that idea for 20 years and finally brought it to life, made it happen. 20 years. That was a dream. The first session of that affirmed that that really was something that had value. She got affirmation from the CPR trainers that were there, from the students, from the parents. Everybody thought it was phenomenal and way beyond the value, value beyond what she charged for it. That's the dream. So if it's something that just, you know, you saw on late night TV last night, you're going to jump in thinking you're going to make a lot of money. It's probably a fantasy. It would fall in that category. But if it's something that you know engages the very best talents that you have, it embraces the personality style you know that you have, and it pulls together your passions, your values, wow, then it's probably worth pursuing. I mean, the Bible also is clear about, you know, to pursue your dreams, you know, if there, where there's no vision, the people perish. I mean, we're, we're told again and again and again to have clear vision, to have clear dreams. The big things that were accomplished in the Bible usually came as a direct result of somebody having a vision or a dream about that first. So we're, we're playing with semantics a little bit, but you ought to be able to distinguish between a worthless fantasy and a real heartfelt dream. Great question. And certainly we could, we could, park there and spend a whole lot more time digesting that. Well, this comes from Nick who says in the past three years, both of our sons have been diagnosed with a rare genetic condition called Jobert syndrome. A year ago, both my wife Anna and I felt called to share our story. During that time, my wife has blogged sporadically as an outlet for her. I've grown increasingly dissatisfied with being a CPA in public accounting. I'd like to share our story full time and to help others with adversity in their life using the question of what is the Jobert syndrome in your life? The domain name for her current blog is not available, nor her name, nor my name. The domain name of Nick and is available. Would it be wise to use that if we both plan on posting on there on similar but separate blogs or should we find another name for her blog that has that domain name available. Now, golly, my heart goes out to you with what you're dealing with, with your, your children. I know that's a very difficult challenge that you're dealing with. 
and I, and a lot of people have gone on to share their stories in ways that made a lot of sense to provide encouragement and ultimately a business for somebody. So there's a lot of value in what you're presenting here. Now, let, let me just address though. I'm going to just address the question that you ask. Should you get that name where it's Nick and Anna Dietzen.com? No, no, no. That is a really, really cumbersome name, domain name. Don't make it so difficult. Choose something else. It can be, you know, Matt's mom and dad or, you know, Anna's son. I mean, do, do something or, or just give it a, a, a name. You know, we have coaches that have come up with names like Your Best Moment or Dancing Through Change. I mean, come up with a name that's positive, that's appealing, and that's easy to remember and find. Your last name is very difficult to spell, even if you're looking at it, and don't complicate it by having that as part of your domain. It's just not a good direction to go. All right, Michelle says, my husband and I have been working career, having work and career struggles for a few years. I've been working contract work, but nothing is fulfilling and I feel uninspired. I can do the work, but don't really care about the work. I feel like the life is draining out of me sometimes. My husband has been so unhappy with his company, but stays for the stability of the income and health insurance for our family. We've toyed with the idea of moving to my husband's hometown to change environments, but we don't know how to approach that prospect. I know we are fearful and risk adverse. We don't want to be stupid risk takers. Could you advise us on decision-making thought processes or exercises for a situation? Well, one thing, Michelle, you've got to believe that this kind of ongoing misery and having the life drained out of you and unhappiness is not a healthy place to stay. I mean, there's no justification for saying that you've got to make a change. Now, you describe both you and your husband as being fearful and risk adverse. Now, I don't want you to take big risk. I don't want you to jump off the cliff. I don't want you to just quit your jobs and hope something works out okay or to move across country and hope that you'll figure something out. No, those would, those would be risky kind of moves, but you can go right through the process starting today. Look at yourself. What are your most marketable skills? What are the unique skills and abilities that you and your husband have? What are your personality tendencies? What are your values, dreams, and passions? What kind of work would those be embraced in? Would blend those and bring those together? Having identified that, then you can create a clear focus. Then you can create a resume that represents you in a way that you want to be represented and do a job search with confidence. And you can do a job search in another geographic location. Not a big deal at all. I mean, people do it every day. Companies are used to that. Even interviews can be done using the telephone or Skype these days. So it's not a big issue at all to look at a different geographic location. So go back to the... I'll tell you what, I'll send you a fresh copy of 48 Days to the Work You Love. Make sure that you've got that so you can go right through the job search process in that. And by all means, do that. Go through that and be confident that 48 days from now, you're going to have some new opportunities to get you out of this misery that you're in. Just not justifiable to stay there at all. Caleb says, let me get a couple more here. Caleb says, love your podcast. I'm 27 years old and over the last Nine years have been deeply involved in ministries and nonprofit organizations. The past two years, I've averaged about $500 a month in income and struggled to pay the bills and maintain confidence in an entrepreneurial career. 
I've recently moved from the mission field and I'm now living with a gracious family. I don't have a college degree and I don't know if my current skill set is marketable. I've looked at job listings and although I am more than willing to take what's available, my heart aches thinking of staying at any one of these jobs. I feel irresponsible as I pine for work that matters, but also pays. I hurt because I know what's possible, but don't know how to get there. Where should I start when I lack confidence and fear what might happen, especially when I'm relying on others? Well, Caleb, you, know, you, you need to take the bull by the horns or you need to put yourself in the driver's seat. There, there's way too much of being the recipient of circumstances in what you describe. At 27 years old, you need to grab your suspenders and make sure you're driving this ship that you're on. $500 a month for the last two years? I mean, that's preposterous. I mean, obviously you can't take every care of your own expenses and you're going to be dependent on others, but it doesn't matter. See, the real question is either you have marketable value or you don't, whether you're in a ministry position or not is not the real issue. The real question is what marketable skills did you, do you have? I mean, if you're successful in a nonprofit organization or a ministry, it still ought to be because you have something that you're adding a value there. Go back and revisit that, but do it quickly and then ask yourself, how would that have value in a hundred other organizations out here? And it's not just a matter of, gee, you're moving. This is not some dramatic quantum leap where you're moving from ministry to secular work. Erase that out of your mind. The real question is just simply what value do you bring to any organization, no matter how that is structured corporately? doesn't matter if it's a nonprofit, a for-profit, a B corporation, a C corp, whatever. doesn't matter. The question is, what value do you bring to the table? You need to make a real clear, short, quick visit to that to figure that out. There was one other one here. Oh, there's one other one here I wanted to address because it's it's very similar. Colin says, I, I currently work in a job where I, that I love making $63,000 a year as a worship director. I wear many hats, work long hours, but I'm coasting on my strengths. I supplement my income producing records and touring as a solo artist about 30 dates a year, adding about $20,000 a year. This isn't sustainable, and I'm looking to increase time with my family and income and decrease my stress. I'm good at what I do. I've been offered positions making $85,000 or more at large, healthy churches that meet all our criteria would decrease my workload, but they're in locations where we don't want to move to. I know you say you can make what you want, where you want, but haven't been offered anything local. At one point, do you compromise on location? Thanks for all you do. Well, I, I never want you to compromise on location, but you ought to be able to list enough alternatives where you can see what is the best choice for us right now. Based on everything that we have to consider, where we start with where we want to live, what are the best options there? Now, that's always the way that I've approached it personally, the way that I recommend to people that I work with. Decide where you want to live, what kind of lifestyle you want to have first, even in terms of what kind of money you want to make. Then explore the possibilities that make those those things a reality. Not the other way around. We're not victims here where you got to take a job and then make your life work around that. That's an old model. We're past that. So again, if you're in a ministry position, the real question is, what value do you bring? What kind of skills do you have that would be transferable that would give you options beyond just a traditional show up at a church on a Sunday morning? 
Now, maybe you may think that's a little more difficult being a worship director, but golly, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. There are thousands of people here who are making decent livings in the music industry where they're not worship directors in church. So if worship music is your first love, if you want to be involved in that, that's fine. But look at other options other than just one traditional kind of position. So with both of these Both of you that have asked questions about being young guys involved in worship ministry, the real questions are, what do you have as transferable skills? What do you have as marketable skills that would have value outside of just that one application? Explore the opportunities there. You're going to find that the world's waiting for you if you can be that clear about what it is that you bring to the table. Well, remember our quotation for today. Are you deeply disagreeable? Again, entrepreneurs or people who really end up extremely successful or people who do not require the social approval of their peers to move forward with their ideas. Hey, thanks for being part of this amazing community. I love this time of the week, each week where I get the opportunity to look through your questions. Keep those coming in, shoot them in to ask Dan at 48days.com. Get involved in the 48days.net community. Let us know what's happened there. A lot of new activity there that people are sharing their successes. So thanks for being part of this group of people who are in fact finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.